Uh, I filmed a film called The Nugget in Mudgy, which is like maybe an hour and a half, two hours from Dubbo. This is comedian Dave O'Neill. Back in 2002, he was working on The Nugget with Australian actors Stephen Curry and Eric Banner. More recently, it's the music born in Dubbo that's front of mind. So Dubbo was a, had a cinema, so I would drive on the weekend to go to the cinema in Dubbo where I saw Bridget, Bridget Jones' diary. And it was pretty good. But I remember Dubbo having a very beautiful... Um, it's got like, surrounded by parkland. I remember that thinking it's really beautiful. And then going into the town of Dubbo and getting some money out of the ATM and being scared by some of the guys hanging around looking at me. So I, I, it was an interesting place. What does he think of when someone says Dubbo? I think of the reels immediately. The reels and also the zoo. They've got an amazing zoo there. The zoo, that's the Taronga Western Plains Zoo. It draws around a quarter of a million visitors each year to the town of 40,000. It's one reason there's so many motels here. They're everywhere. The Reels were a local band most people of a certain age will know straight away. In a few casual conversations I've had with people in Dubbo, they always mention some connection to Craig, Doug or one of the other band members. But the Reels were a great band featuring Dave Mason. They formed in Dubbo and they had songs like Prefab Heart, a lot about hearts. Thirty years on, it's less the local music that people are chatting about. Now it's the two new large-scale solar farms under construction. One just out of Dubbo and the other out west where Glenn McGrath grew up in the town of Narromine. I'm Courtney Carthy and welcome to Rewired, an insight into new large-scale solar farms being constructed around Australia. These two solar farms, like most others in the series, are part of a recent grant round from ARENA, the Australian Renewable Energy Agency and the Clean Energy Finance Corporation for 12 new large-scale solar farms around the country. And later in the episode, we'll hear more about how far solar has come from Amy Keane. She's the New South Wales Renewable Energy Advocate. I don't think we, we realised how quickly it was going to grow from effectively a, um, a new industry to an industry that's now quickly beginning to operate on its own without government subsidies. And that's, that's exactly what we want out of new industries. But that transition has happened so quickly. Since the first large-scale solar farm was built in Australia, the costs have dropped dramatically. The construction processes are improving and so is the efficiency of the panels. If this is the first time you've listened to Rewired, there are four other episodes already available featuring different towns around the country. Kidston in Queensland, Griffith, Parks and the small town of Ningen in New South Wales. Getting to Dubbo, you head west from Sydney over the Blue Mountains to Bathurst, then take a right turn north up the highway, twice the distance you've already driven again to reach the centre of the town on the Macquarie River. While only about 40,000 people live in the town, it serves as a hub for up to 200,000 in the greater catchment. Less than 3% of the people in Dubbo are currently working in farming. It's more geared towards providing services to smaller areas nearby. So first, let's head out to Narromine. All right, reports are off the site. Lots of safety things. 
protective clothing, safety footwear, a whole lot of it's early days here, so only a few people are currently on site. The piles are in and soon the tracking system, the rockers that keep the panels facing the sun, will go on top. And I find Chris Rowland, construction manager, and Justin Shepherd, the project manager, at work in the site office. How are you going? G'day, mate. Chris Rowland. Oh, g'day, Chris. Sorry. G'day. G'day. Thanks for having me. It's not Chris's first solar build. He's worked on four here and overseas, one in the Philippines, where safety standards were extremely different to all the personal protective equipment, or PPE, that's swooshing and reflecting all over the Australian sites we've visited. Energy produced here will go back into the grid, and it's a neat fit for the Narromine community. The size here is to virtually feed the 3,500 homes and offices and commercial operations around Narromine itself. So we're actually limited to 9.9 meg AC of exportation out of here. Um, the size of the plant is 11 meg DC, so your DC and AC never in the same population. So Community sentiment has featured heavily in some of the conversations we've had on the podcast so far. And here it's no different. Justin's been at the community meetings fielding questions from the locals. And there was a lot of interest from the locals about will will you know something come out of one of the panels there be, be in our house and we explain you know about the ocean the ocean of electricity and where it's coming from. Just quickly the ocean Justin just mentioned is a handy metaphor you can use to visualize the contribution of different energy sources to the national grid. So each source is like a river. They all run into the ocean, and when we need water, we get it out there with all the other water from all the other rivers mixed together. But they're all very interested in, um, in how it all worked, and there was a real positive attitude of people, and even with the older crowd, uh, wanting to have this in place. The enthusiasm Justin mentioned shouldn't be surprising if you know anything about the history of solar in Dubbo. Matthew Dickerson former mayor of Dubbo City Council. Matthew says solar was already popular in the town. Solar in general is incredibly important to Dubbo. One of my proud moments in terms of council involvement and, and making a difference was a scheme that I put together with a local energy provider and council to try and encourage people to put solar panels on the roofs of our houses. It's obviously a very good area for solar panels. We've got great sunlight. We've got lots of days without cloud. And as a result of that scheme and some other changes that happened from a New South Wales government perspective, Dubbo has been and still remains as the number one solar connector on a per capita basis in this nation. So solar in Dubbo is incredibly powerful. You see incredible number of, of roofs of houses with solar on them. And people talk about it. It is a talking point where we talk about what return we're getting for electricity, what what we're doing in terms of our electricity bills. When someone comes along to say, I want to build a solar farm, there's a, a bit of a puffing out of the chests of people in Dubbo because we feel like we get solar. We feel like we understand that we're in a great spot for solar and we feel like not only is it financially sensible, but from an environmental perspective, it's incredibly important for our children and grandchildren, future generations to come. Obviously, we can't just keep digging up coal forever. We're going to run out of coal to dig up. We can't keep polluting the environment forever. We're doing damage to the environment across the world with climate change as we speak. So solar makes a lot of sense. And I think people in Dubbo are proud about any projects 
that involve solar. And it's all well and good for us to have our little three kilowatt or 10 kilowatt systems on the roof of our house. But when someone comes along to build a major solar farm, we think that's great from a, a double perspective, from an economic perspective, and probably most importantly, from an environmental perspective. People don't realise that we're actually a solar superpower. This is Amy Kane. I'm the New South Wales Renewable Energy Advocate and I work at the New South Wales Department of Planning and Environment. Amy says New South Wales and Australia have come an exceptionally long way in adopting solar technology. Looking back um, when I started working, when I left uni about 20 years ago, we pretty much had a 1.5 kilowatt system in Sydney. Uh, And that was a demonstration project on a government roof. If you wanted the equivalent solar capacity today as New South Wales had in total nearly two decades ago, you can get online and buy it for about 1700 bucks. And today um, we now have a million homes with solar on their roofs and large scale solar has taken off in a unpredicted way. And now this is the landscape. Three massive solar generators in New South Wales that are farming the sun every single day. They're in Moree, Broken Hill, and from last episode, Ningen. And another four, including Narromine and Dubbo, are due to be completed this year. Seven large-scale solar farms might sound like a lot, but it won't for long. Many more are in the pipeline. Ten with planning and approval and a massive 18 in the planning system. So overnight, the industry has gone from a very infant concept to a booming industry. And that's very much driven by um, certainly federal government support, but also the plummeting cost of solar. So no one would have predicted this a few years ago um, and something we should be very proud of. And the three leaders in New South Wales? The highest uptake of solar on people's homes is Liverpool, Dubbo and Lismore. And it's not just the uptake in those places, no. It's the industry and the market as a whole. I don't think we, we realised how quickly it was going to grow from effectively a, um, a new industry to an industry that's now quickly beginning to operate on its own without government subsidies. And that's, that's exactly what we want out of new industries. But that transition has happened so quickly. And I think what is also what's really exciting is the acceptance from the local communities as well. You know, I was out in Moree the other day and you've got the local mayor saying, we love farming the sun, we want to breed more solar farms, come here, we want you. And the fact it coexists with agriculture so well, it can provide um, a stable income in times of drought um, means that farmers, farmers get the potential. I get excited that it's happening now, it's unstoppable. And, and the future's very bright, as they say. <laughs> it looks that way for Dubbo. And while Matthew Dickerson, the former mayor, says the city can seem a bit confused growing from a small country town to gaining status as a city in 1966, it seems to be for the better. But we still tend to think of ourselves as being a small country town where we still know the person that we go and buy our groceries off and we know people as we walk down the main street But the reality is that Dubbo is now a thriving metropolis. We are only a population of 42,000, but we actually have a service population of anywhere up to 200,000 because as you go mainly west of Dubbo, you've got many small communities that see Dubbo as an essential service centre. So if you need to see a doctor or a professional, see an accountant, for example, or a solicitor, 
a whole range of different professions base themselves out of Dubbo because they know they can service the entire region. A whole range of organisations in terms of, say, trades, for example, may set themselves up in Dubbo and have their tradespeople go out and do work in that entire region. So there are times when we feel like we're a thriving metropolis, a very modern city. You can get a great coffee when you go down the street. So we, we feel like we're a big city, but then at times we feel like we're just a good old-fashioned small country town. And as we keep growing, that'll be the, the confusing point as we continue to grow. I think people that, that move here now probably see us more as a thriving metropolis. People like myself that have been here for, well, I've been here for almost 50 years, and people like myself that have been here for a long period of time still probably think of ourselves as that small country town, and, and that's part of that growing pain, I think, that many towns slash cities across Australia are experiencing. One of those who's left the inland metropolis behind is David Hood. He moved out of the city a few kilometres down the road. We didn't bump into each other at the ideal time. I thought he was turning into the side road off the highway to come and give me a hand. I'm the, the next property over from the solar farm. Yep. Yeah. And um, we're standing, you can be able to hear it in a sec, standing yeah. on the side of the road yeah. where I've just beached my car. <laughs> yeah. Oh, God. Making a U-turn to get to the Dubbo Solar Farm, I'd managed to beach the car on a mound and had some spare time while the tow truck came to get me unstuck. You grew up on this site, Yeah, 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 yeah. And now you've moved back? Yeah, now I've moved back. Lived in town for, oh, probably 15 years, I suppose, 16 years. And then, yeah, finally built, built a house out here and moved back out here. Is your bedroom just the way you left it? <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> yeah, Mum and Dad haven't let anyone move into it. So. Oh, that's good. Can you tell me what you know about the solar farm? Oh, I don't know a great deal about it. I know there's, there's a fair bit of work going over there. but Did you have conversations with your neighbours about it? Oh, we did, it? we did originally, yeah. Talked to My sister lives right beside it, so yeah, she's happy to have it there instead of 100 houses or yeah. whatever, that sort of thing, so... Only got a solar farm to look at, and it's not that ugly. Um, you concerned about any parts of it? Um, I'm not. They were a little bit concerned, maybe about uh, if there was any perimeter lighting around it. Um, but other than that, no, they're not. Uh, there's no other real concerns. Do your friends ask you about it? Yeah, they think it's a vineyard going in there. People <laughs> driving past, <laughs> see all the posts in, and think it's is there another winery going in? Yeah. There was going to be something else built on the site where the solar. Yeah, farm is. originally, oh, probably, yeah, 15 years ago or whenever the Wellington Jail was built, they uh, proposed to build the uh, the jail there, and yeah, we protested against it and got rid of it. Much nicer use of land having a solar farm on it. Oh god, yeah, much happier, yeah. much happier. That's it. Is that? That would that, be my your, father. Your dad? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Ute's just gone past us and now yeah. driving into it. Yeah. Turns out there's a bit more to the story of the jail and it goes back decades to a proposal by the New South Wales government to build a zoo. Matthew Dickerson again. One of the most important businesses in Dubbo and certainly the most important from a tourist perspective is Taronga Western Plains Zoo. And the story goes, and this is way back before my time, the story goes, back in the late 60s, early 70s, the New South Wales government was looking for somewhere to put the zoo. And they started looking initially at Wellington, which is a town located about 50 kilometres closer to Sydney than Dubbo. 
And the the funny story is that, and the local member here, who has now passed away, but the local member, Tony McGrain, used to tell the story that he was involved in National Farmers Association and they wanted the National Farmers to write to the New South Wales government to say that they didn't want a zoo built out in prime farmland around Wellington because they were worried about lions escaping from the zoo and going and taking all their livestock. And they had no problem with wild dogs. They didn't want wild lions and tigers roaming around taking all their, their important livestock. The, the general story around Wellington, although it's hard to find specific information, was that Wellington said, we don't want the zoo, thank you very much. We don't want wild animals roaming our farms, roaming down the main street, so we don't want them. And then, as a second choice, it was offered to Dubbo, and the leaders of Dubbo at the time jumped at the chance for this wonderful facility to be built, and it was opened in 1977. Obviously, people in Wellington thought afterwards that maybe it wasn't such a bad thing, given the, the, the fact that the tourism that goes through the zoo now is, you know, we've got over a quarter of a million people a year go through the zoo. Many years later, the opportunity came up to build another jail somewhere in inland New South Wales, and they started looking around the Dubbo-Wellington area. And a few people in Dubbo thought it mightn't be too bad an idea for our economy, but in general, most people in Dubbo weren't that excited. And Wellington people remembered that they missed out on the zoo, so they were a bit annoyed about that. So they jumped up and down and said, we'll have the jail because that will boost our employment as well. So in the end, the jail went to Wellington, so they got to have the jail, and that boosted their employment, certainly with the number of people working through there, and Dubbo obviously has kept the zoo. Uh, obviously, the zoo not just has the employment, but also has that tourism numbers. There's not a lot of tourists that go through and look at a jail, unfortunately. Getting the car stuck wasn't the only time I'd managed to embarrass myself in Dubbo. Justin Shepherd at the Solar Farm again. I always love the question, I had a question a couple of times now is, does the, does the power that comes out of this farm, can that be used for three phase? And, and just um, for my benefit, it can't be used for three phase power? No, absolutely it can be. Oh. So it's just, it's just, <laughs> how, it's just how the, um, uh, the electrons are taken. Put your hand up got a history degree. <laughs> <laughs> the solar farms in Dubbo and Narromine currently under construction are due to be completed later this year. Together, they're a 29 megawatt project. They'll produce enough electricity to offset 16,000 cars or 53,000 tonnes of carbon dioxide while powering around 9,000 average homes. The next episode and the final episode in this series, we're off to Emu Downs, inland from Cervantes in Western Australia, about two hours north of Perth. Wide, sandy farming land with a few mines out the back. Including Emu Downs, I'm going to do a little bit of statistics now. The solar farms we've visited will be saving over half a million tonnes of CO2 from the atmosphere each year. Just six farms. As Amy Keane mentioned earlier, nearly 30 projects are in the pipeline. This is thanks to the costs, both for technology and construction, coming down and the seed funding from organisations like Arena. And that's not to forget the jobs and the economic benefit to local economies like Dubbo's. If you've enjoyed Rewired, please leave a review about the show wherever you listen to podcasts. If you've got any questions or comments, please get in touch with Arena on social media or visit the website arena.gov. 
arena.gov.au and you can find all the previous podcasts at arena.gov.au forward slash podcasts. I'm Courtney Carthy. Thank you so much for listening to Rewired. And the Reels, they're not the only band to come out of Dubbo. You might have heard of Thirsty Merck, who made it down the highway to national fame in the early 2000s. Take me back to the sweet times, the hot nights. Everything is going to be all right in the summertime.